I feel like this episode is something that I've talked about a lot, but never in detail because it's a long story. And really, like, whenever it comes up, it's a, it's just like a one sentence thing, you know, where I'm just like, oh, yeah, from the settlement that I got, blah, and then like move on. Or, oh, yeah, from my first lawsuit, <laughs> you know, it's never in detail. I mean, like, there's really no short version of it, you know. So, first of all, I'll say a couple things right off the bat. The first thing is that obviously I can't say who exactly it was. But I want to say that it had nothing to do with my journalism career. I wasn't at a newspaper. So don't try and think of like all the people I've written for and like, oh, is was that, you know, were they the company? No. Completely unrelated to my journalism career. It had nothing to do with writing, nothing to do with journalism. Thank fucking God. <laughs> because when you sue somebody a company, you kind of get blacklisted within that company's like community. Okay. People talk. Um, and it just, it, it was something my lawyer actually warned me about where he was like, unfortunately, you know, like once you do this, because I was, this was when I was like on the fence, whether I was going to go through with it or not. He was like, once you do this, unfortunately there, there's like the stigma attached to it and you'll kind of like be blacklisted, kind of like be known, um, within that company's community of like, you know, whatever company, you know, their, you know, say it was like a coffee shop. Okay. It wasn't, but like, then like all the coffee shops around would like kind of talk and, you know, so luckily it had nothing to do with journalism because that would have sucked. And I don't know. I don't know if I would have done it. I would like to think that I still would have because you gotta, like, this was a really tough decision for me because this is the first time I ever had to deal with something like this, of this magnitude. I mean, suing somebody is a big fucking deal, you know? Um, and so when this was, when I was deciding this, I thought over, I molded over for weeks. I talked to multiple people about it. Um, people I was close to, people that I wasn't even close to because I was really like, it was a big decision and it was just like this dilemma that I couldn't like, I had no idea what to do. It's not that I was like leaning fr- like to one side. I was really in the middle and really did not know what to do. Um, and honestly, I'm so glad that I did it. I am so glad that I did it. And I tell everybody who's in this situation or even a similar situation that's not even that similar to me on like, retain an attorney and sue them like it's just not only I mean it it, it does it feels really good like so you get monetary you know compensation for it you feel like you know you really like suck it to them because you did because even though a majority of the time the settlement you're getting from them it comes out of their insurance so it's not really like you know you're hurting them that badly but you know, it does suck to be sued. And there were three defendants uh, in my case. So I was the plaintiff and I sued a company which had three defendants, which was my supervisor, 
my supervisor's boss and that boss's boss. So what's interesting about this is that my supervisor was a man and this was a sexual harassment case and um, what what else do they call it? Toxic work environment. So he was, you know, saying these sexual things to me. So whenever I would go to his office and like say I had to talk to him about somebody else in the office, not in like a bad way or anything like that, but like the company who I worked for, like they had other people, like we had clients or whatever that also worked in the office. So if we needed to talk about a client who was two feet away or something like that, you know, I need to talk to you and close the door. So whenever I would go to his office and close the door, he would say, ooh, what's about to happen? Oh, God, it was so gross. So I also, I guess, should say that, like, this guy wasn't, like, 50 years old or anything like that. We are actually pretty close in age. And so I think that, like, my boss and my boss's boss didn't take it seriously because they didn't really think that that guy was really being that scummy because they more saw it as like flirting as opposed to like harassment. But the thing was, is that like he was above me. He had power over me and it did put me in a position where it was like, if I didn't play along with this, I would get in trouble or like, you know, he would talk bad about me to other superiors. And this was, this job was outside of my training as a journalist. This was a different job. And so there was a learning curve. Like I was having a little bit of a hard time grasping this new job. And so I had that added pressure of I'm not doing a good job. And if I don't make my supervisor happy, if I don't play along with these dumbass fucking jokes, you know, he is going to talk shit. He's going to have this uh, more of a bad taste in his mouth from me, right? But what's interesting is that there was another woman who was also similar in age. She actually had the position before me, so she trained me, and then she went to a different department. And so they were already pretty close. She didn't really have a backbone because she was getting harassed too, but whenever we talked about it, she was like, yeah, it makes me feel uncomfortable, but like, eh, what are you going to do? And it's just like, no. No, don't have that mentality. Like, don't just be like, oh, what are you going to do? No, we need to do something. So this happened for a while. So he did like the door thing where I like closed the door in his office. He would rub my shoulders, which is just classic. Like, don't fucking do that at work. Right. Um, I wore this dress one time that was a little short. And I was talking about it with a client who was working in the office because I was a little bit on the fence if it was like, you know, work appropriate or whatever. And my supervisor came in during that conversation and he goes, yeah, your dress is a little short for work, but I like it. (sighs) Great. (laughs) Thanks. And so that was something that happened. And then there were just, you know, other little moments and I I documented it all in my phone with like dates and shit like that to where and then I you know talked about it with the other woman who you know trained me and they were closer like friends or whatever and then I went to my supervisor's boss 
because, you know, I, I kind of didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I told her it was a woman. I told her everything that was happening and she didn't care. (laughs) Uh, She literally thought I was being ridiculous. She literally said to me, what, what's the problem, Shannon? It's not like you got raped. She said that. She said those words. Whenever I tell my this story to people and I say that, I say what she said, everybody always reacts the same. And it's always them being like, she said that? <laughs> yeah, she said those words. I'm not embellishing. Okay, I'm not pr- paraphrasing. Verbatim, she said that. And... I was shocked when I was sitting in front of her telling I I literally didn't say anything back to her because I didn't know what to say. I, she literally left me speechless. Um, and so I kind of just and then she harped on me about what I was wearing. And she wasn't saying that it was too sexual. She was saying that it was too dark. I had on dress pants that were like capris. This was Southern California. So it was like whatever. Um, nice dress shoes that were also black. And then a black tank top tucked in with a black blazer with the sleeves pushed up um, to like the my elbow. And she goes, and I have tattoos. So that makes it like even worse that I was like wearing all black. And it's not like I wore this outfit every single day, you know. But she goes, yeah, so I really like the punk rocker look. You know, I'm super into that. But like. Our clients probably don't like it. So maybe kind of like add some color in. And I didn't even know what to say because it was just like, dude, black, like you're really going to tell me that like I can't wear all black one time. Like this is one outfit that I have and it's inappropriate because it's all one color. It's just like ridiculous. And I took a picture of myself. Because I was, I didn't know if that was going to come up, like, in the lawsuit. (laughs) I don't know. So, yeah, that was the conversation that I had. And she was just generally kind of misogynistic. There were other things that stood out to me. But anyway, so she said that. And then I was actually talking to what happened, what sparked this lawsuit, like, actually going through with it, is that I was talking to a client in the office. I was in their office um, and the door was closed and I was telling them these things, like literally what I've, I've just described here. And there were two women and, and one man actually. So it was, it was a team. And they said, oh my God, Shannon, you need an attorney. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I don't know about this. And the man goes, yeah, do you need like, I can give you like a referral. Like I can give you the name of somebody who will listen to the story. And based on what you're telling me, like he'll probably take your case. And I had no experience with this. I had no idea what this meant. I didn't understand contingencies. I didn't understand retainers. I didn't understand any of it had no clue what the fuck I was getting into was scared right but you know I took their his name the attorney's name 
And I went to my mom, obviously, and I was like, dude, they just, I had a client who just said these things and they think that I have a case and that I should go to a lawyer. And, you know, my mom's very diplomatic, so she was also just kind of like, oh, well, I don't know, Um, you have a decision to make. And it's like, thanks, mom. Thanks for freaking nothing. But I understand where she was coming from. So I, again, like I said, I talked about it with other people. One of them was my aunt who has just been the biggest cheerleader for me in my entire life. She's always been there for me. She's always just been so supportive. She's always been just like really um, impressed by like some of the things I've accomplished mostly in journalism. And I don't know, she's always just made me feel really good about myself. And she freaked out when I told her. She was like, absolutely, you need, to re- you need to retain an attorney. You need to call that guy. Like, that's, this is so wrong. This is so wrong of them. They can't get away with this type thing. So now I have, like, you know, her saying these things. I have my mom pretty much being like, oh, I don't know. Um, a lot of my friends were also pretty much like, oh, I don't know. Like, I think that they were more, like, on the scale of, oh, I don't know, leaning toward, yeah, maybe you should do something. So that was nice, but I was still very, like, I was crying about it every day. This is when I was drinking, and so I was, like, drinking, like, really early in the morning (laughs) Um, because I was just, like, going through it, you know? I just had no idea what to do. I was deeply unhappy at my job, obviously, because, you know, this has sparked, like, tension, and I already wasn't doing very well at my job. Like I said before, like, the learning curve was, like, kind of getting to me. So this was a very stressful time in my life and I just didn't know what to do. So what's interesting is that I was actually loosely, casually dating an attorney at the time who covered, he, he practiced in a different area. So it had nothing to do. He, you know, he was like immigration or some shit. Um, And so, of course, I talked to him about this and he goes, yeah, I can't tell you what to do. I'm not going to give you any advice, but I will say that suing someone is the ultimate fuck you. And that really stuck with me because I was so just indignant over this situation I thought it was super unfair I thought that they were just they were putting me in such a difficult spot that I resented I was just so just I hated it and yeah I did want to like stick it to them and and I did want a big fuck you and so his comment really I think was pivotal in my decision I think that after he told me that, and, like, this guy, like, I mean, it was so casual. Like, we weren't an item. We only saw each other for a few months. Like, it was no big deal. So, yeah, it wasn't like he was super influential in me. But that comment really stuck with me. And I think that after I heard it, I shifted massively to the other side, the the side of, yes, I, I think I should do something. So I met with the attorney. I told him my story. I, you know, wrote down like I had a document of because I needed to document all of these instances, all of, of of this harassment. And, 
yeah, we met at his office. I outlined everything. He sat in front of me and he said, you know, I believe you. I think you're credible. And yes, you have a case here. And I would gladly represent you. But, you know, then he went over the fact that, like, you need to think about this because if you sue a company, other companies will find out and it will be hard for you to get a job. And, you know, like I said, this wasn't in the journalism sphere. So that really didn't play into it. Um, The only thing is that, you know, I would have to get another job. And like, honestly, getting this job was a little bit difficult. I was freelancing for the newspaper at the time, only on the weekends, because that was the only time that it was available. And so I had it in my mind that like, I think I'm going to make the jump to full time freelancing. And that's just going to be like my next career move because one of the things was that you can actually stay at the job while you're suing them. And that's what my attorney said. He was like, you don't have to resign when we file Um, and they won't fire you because that'll be retaliation, clear retaliation. And that'll be a part of the case as well. So they're not going to do that. However, it will create extreme tension. It will be miserable. And I don't advise it. But, you know, you could do it if you wanted to. So I actually found the screenshot or I took a picture of an email he sent me outlining my three options. The first option being you resign. I represent you. I send them a letter. I send them a complaint. I file, you know, all of these um claims against them and we open you know a lawsuit the second option is that you don't resign you stay at the job um while we file and continue this lawsuit and the third option was actually something that my company the people i was working for was they were trying to push me out so what happened was once they got wind that I'd went to my supervisor's boss complaining of these allegations and what my supervisor was saying, they offered me a new position. And it wasn't a position that had already existed. They knew I was freelancing for the newspaper. They knew that the position and the role that I was currently in wasn't a good fit for me and it was not something I wanted to do long term. So they offered me a new position that was created for me. And they asked me to outline all the specifics of what I wanted to do in that position, how much I needed to get paid, what my hours were going to be like, pretty much flesh out this new position, like create this new position for us. And at the time, and looking back, like the, we, we can all look at this situation and say, they were going to transfer you to this new position, come up with all of these excuses why I wasn't a good fit, why it wasn't working out, and then fire me. Because they didn't have enough to go off of to fire me from this current position. So they would have to like switch me to a new position and then document all of the things that weren't working out so they could fire me and it wouldn't be retaliation after I already made these complaints against my supervisor. So they were trying to get me away from my supervisor and like fix it that way instead of just firing my supervisor. Why would they want to employ somebody who harasses and is inappropriate just 
clearly inappropriate to not only me, because he wasn't doing it to just me, he was doing it to the other woman too. So this wasn't just me being crazy, me being out of line, me being sensitive. This was him. Like, this was clearly his problem. And they never fired him. Uh, my attorney said that if they were to fire him, they would have sent me a, him a letter um, afterward to say, oh, well, what's up with this lawsuit anyway? We fired him. Like, but they never did. So for whatever reason, he was so valuable to this company that they decided to take a hit during this lawsuit and come to a settlement agreement against me and keep employing him and pretty much like pay a little bit more in the settlement for it. It's just ridiculous. So he sent me that letter with those three options. And I chose option one, which was to resign and file suit. And the way I resigned was I typed up the resignation letter at work, right? Like, and it was short. It was short and sweet, had the date, had my name, to whom it may concern, effective immediately, I've resigned, like, you know, whatever. Signed it, put the date. It was actually uh, late August 2018. I had keys to the office because I was one of the first people who would get there and, you know, turn the lights on and start the coffee maker and all that shit. So I put the letter in an envelope with the keys I walked into not my supervisor's office, but my boss's, my, my supervisor's boss's office. The one who told me, what's the big deal, Shannon? It's not like you got raped. That one. Walked into her office. She said, hey. I said, hey, this is for you. Handed her it, and I walked out. Grabbed my shit on the way out, and I took the stairs because I didn't want to wait for the elevator because I was obviously scared and worried that somebody was going to come confront me and be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know? So I took the stairs. My heart was racing. It was only on the third floor or whatever. So like, you know, ran down them out to my car and went home. What's funny is that I was actually pretty close to one of the other clients. It wasn't the client that, you know, gave me the number for the attorney or anything like that. It was a different one. And I told them within the week that I was seeing the attorney and deciding what I wanted to do and had pretty much made up my mind. Maybe it was that morning even or the day before or something, but we were in the coffee room, um, break room, whatever. And I said under my breath, whispered it. I said, I'm resigning and I'm suing the company. And he goes, you're not suing the company. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> and there was actually another person there too, how it's very, like pretty close with. I can't remember if this was all happening in the same conversation or if I had a separate conversation with this person too. So I had a blog at the time, actually. I'm not going to say the name because I don't want you looking for it because I haven't read it in a very long time and it might be embarrassing. And so he found out that I was also resigning and suing the company. And we saw each other in passing, right? Where he's walking one way and I'm walking the other way. And he leans into me and he goes, I'm excited for new posts on name of my blog. And I just smiled. Like I was just, 
Um, I really liked that it was kind of getting around because, of course, I was under the impression this company was going to try and keep it under wraps, right? Like, they didn't want people to know that I was going to sue this company. And and when I did sue them, I, I really don't think that, you know, the supervisor, the supervisor's boss, my boss's boss were all named as defendants. That's a pretty bad look, right? So I think that I would have loved... So I don't think there were actually served papers by a process server. I'm pretty sure my attorney FedExed them with like confirmation, right? Somebody had to sign for it. I'm pretty sure that's the way it happened. I I don't have confirmation on that, but like, God damn, I would pay money, a, a good amount of money to have been there when they got the letter, because I got a letter of the a copy of the letter too, and in big bold letters at the top of the page, like big bold letters, it said, "You are being sued by Shannon M. Hoffman." Oh my God, the best fucking thing in the world! Oh my God, to to see them open that envelope and read that. Oh fuck. That's good. (laughs) And that's why I say, okay, so that's just like one moment that's I hold near and dear and that, you know, strikes my ego and that I fucking like. That's just one of them. You know, we haven't even got to the point where I got a check. So just thinking about them opening that letter saying that they had been sued is just beautiful. It's beautiful. And I... I don't know if the the client who said, you know, you're not suing the company. I don't know if he ever found out whether I was suing the company or not because it was a client to the company. So they're not just going to announce it. It's not like there were employees there. I mean, they kind of are. I Honestly, if somebody is in the realm of the company that I, I was with, like the type of company you'll know what I'm talking about where they work in the office, but they don't actually work there. You know what I like? Okay. So I don't know if you ever found out. Um, there wasn't really like a lot, obviously like a lot of um, communication between me and this company. There was discovery, but there were, there wasn't any depositions or wait, no, we didn't go to discovery. We didn't go to discovery because we came up with a lawsuit or a settlement um, between my attorney and their attorney. And we didn't go to mediation. I think it was originally planned, actually, for me to go to mediation um, for a hot second. But my attorney advised me against that because he said, especially in these types of cases, if it goes to trial, for one, the contingency, so his cut will be more than 33%, like it was 33% for the settlement. But if it was to actually go to court, it would have been more like 40% or something like that, because it's more work. So he advised against that because one, that reason. And two, you're going to have to relive everything. You're going to have to take the stand and be cross-examined. Like, I guess I wouldn't actually have to do that. But the discovery is going to be that you know, you're gonna have to be deposed at least. You're gonna have to 
tell this story in front of a bunch of strangers, in front of a jury. You know, you're going to have to see these people again. And for the emotional suffering part of it, because that was part of the settlement, the emotional suffering is going to be drawn out and you're already going through it. You're already healing from this. And we're not going to be able to go to court if we do choose to do that for another eight months or 10 months or a year or something like that. So it's going to be really difficult to rip that wound back open. He sent me to therapy and he told me, do not talk about anything else besides the case because they will subpoena the therapist records, which I had no idea they could do. I don't know if anybody else has had any idea that they could do that either. But just so you know, if you ever go to therapy, I mean, like, even if it's not part of a court case, they can subpoena the therapist notes. Just so you know. <laughs> so I literally went to therapy just to tell the other person's, their company's attorney that it was so bad that I had to go to therapy. That was like literally the reason. And I mean, it was emotionally taxing on me. But comparatively to other things that I had gone through, it was meh. I mean, like literally just comparing it to other things, I had gone through so much up until then. Like I went through like a really traumatic breakup. I was assaulted on a Tinder date. Like, things were at 11. And so, to have a supervisor tell me that, oh, I wish your dress was shorter, or, oh, are we going to hook up since you closed the door to my office? You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, it was tame comparatively to the rest of my life, unfortunately. Uh, but I still, I went to therapy and it helped. It was great. It, it, and it should have because she was expensive. She was literally $225 a session, like the most expensive therapist I've ever been to. She was also the best therapist I've ever been to. Well, that's not true. The one that I went to for my other lawsuit for the car accident, she was really good too. We got along really well. Anyway, but this $225 lady, she was good, thankfully, because like I said, she was freaking expensive. So I went to that and, you know, everything was compiled and pretty much my attorney came to me and said, I'm pretty much like talking off the record with the with the company's attorney. And he thinks your case is only worth $40,000. And I wasn't really in it for the money. I would have taken five grand, 10 grand, like something a hell of a lot lower than that, because I really was into the idea that like I'm suing you to say fuck you. I'm suing you for for suing you sake to, to tell you that this isn't okay. And yeah, you're gonna get sued. So honestly, when my attorney said, "Oh, I think that he said it was only worth forty grand," I was like, "Okay, whatever, sure." And so we actually ended up settling for sixty because of attorney fees, and um, I got a chunk of what was it kind of like lost income so pretty much like the payment that I would have earned if I was able to stay there 
because obviously it was in the settlement that like I had to quit because the toxic work environment was so bad. And so they gave me lost income to account for the fact that like they made it so I couldn't work there anymore. So that was part of it. It was seven grand um, that I had to pay taxes on. I got a W-2 from it because it was income. The rest of the settlement, um, I didn't have to pay taxes on because it was part of a sexual harassment case. So in California, thank you, California. Thank you so much. If it's part of a sexual harassment case, they don't tax it. Thanks. Like that would be gross on the state of California making money off of that. That would be disgusting. So yes, thank you so much for like not taxing me on that because that would just be awful. That'd be evil. So I got the lost income check first. Uh, I believe it was in the mail. And so I deposited that. And then I immediately went to Colorado to see my friends because I had known that that's what I was going to do. I was in jujitsu at the time. And so I was actually talking with my coach about what I was going to do with my settlement check because he had also had a settlement check from a DUI. Um, a drunk driver had hit him. And so he got a settlement check from that. His was a lot more. He opened the gym, I'm pretty sure, with that money. And so we were talking about like what I should do with it. And what's kind of what has always bothered me is that he called it a gift. And I can see how you can frame it. You know, your perspective is everything. Um, and you, you can frame it. You can take your situation, you know, getting hit by a drunk driver and call it a gift. I was harassed um, by a man who, like, was my supervisor, who's my superior. And I ask any woman, there's really not an amount of money I think that any of us would ever settle for um, to endure that. Like that type of shit isn't just words and it's not just like this little uncomfortable situation. No, it makes you feel disgusting. It makes you feel gross. It makes you feel icky. It's you can't take enough showers Okay, to un- to get this grime off of you. It's inside you. It makes you, it's poison. It poisons you from the inside out. It is so gross that somebody would talk to you like that, make you feel like that, think that it was okay, continue on with that, have people who are looking, the other woman, the, the my uh, supervisor's boss saying it's not that bad. You, it's not like you got raped. That's just egregious. Like shit like that. It just gets to your core and makes you feel absolutely, absolutely disgusting. And yes, $40,000 was nice. But like also that shit was fucked. So I saw my friends in Colorado. It was great. Came back and they, I believe, did not have the rest of the check ready, which sucked a little bit because... I was freelancing. And and by the way, this took a year. So when I quit and jumped into freelancing, you know, I didn't have that settlement money. Um, I had like barely anything in my savings and the freelancing wasn't paying a lot at all. You know, in Southern California is expensive. My rent was only six fifty to rent a room. So it wasn't that bad. But, you know, I was poor. 
but it was worth it because I didn't want a normal job. I didn't want to go back to having a boss. I didn't want to go back to having coworkers. I didn't want to be on a schedule. I didn't want to do any of that. I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to, you know, speak for myself and cold call and cold email and network and be in charge of every part of my job. And that's what I did. But by the time my settlement came around, so this was a year later, um, I was hurting. <laughs> so, you know, I was asking them like, okay, will we finally reach a settlement? I signed the papers. I sent them back. And they were like, yeah, well, I mean, technically they have 30 days. And he said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't get around to sending it until day number 29. <laughs> because that's usually what they do. Um, so that sucked. But I think they actually sent it before day 29. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, I got the 30 something, whatever the fuck, uh, in a check. I went and picked it up from my attorney's office the receptionist handed it to me and said congratulations which i thought was kind of weird but whatever went to the bank and deposited it and it felt so good checking my account and seeing that amount of money i've i'd never had that much money in my life and honestly haven't had that much money since so it was it was great it was beautiful and it felt really good. The whole situation was so easy. My attorney took care of everything. I was handed a check at the end of the day. And, you know, hopefully, I really don't think that the company learned their lesson or like, you know, the boss or like the owner, any supervisor, boss, boss or anything like that. I don't think they learned their lesson at all. But, you know, you do what you can. Um, suing them was at the top of the list of things that I could do and so I took advantage of that there was nothing else I could do even though I, I don't think they learned from that it's it was all I could do so I would do it again 10 out of 10 and you know when I hear other people in situations where their workplace is just being inappropriate doesn't even have to be you know sexual harassment or anything like that I mean talk to workplace anything like that I tell them it sounds like a lawsuit because it's just not worth it. I mean, you are a worker. You work for them. You have to be there. And for them to make it like just an absolute terror to show up every day is wrong. And they have a certain like, what am I trying to say? Like the vibes need to be at a certain level. You're a fucking company. Anyway, so... The second lawsuit is a lot less serious. A lot less serious. It just had to do with a car accident. I was driving for Lyft and somebody rear-ended the shit out of me. I had a passenger. And so now we're going after him again for lost wages because I was out of work and he needs to pay for that. Um, we're actually suing Lyft because they say that I need to be classified as an independent contractor or no, no, an employee, not an independent contractor because of the way that they run their app and everything like that. I don't know when this is going to happen. Of course, these things take for freaking ever. And I'm not on my attorney's 
case about it because he has other clients and I just I understand that it takes forever and you know it just moves at a snail's pace um but we're suing Lyft and the thing is is that that company has one million dollars in insurance and I know that my case isn't crazy right like I wasn't injured I was injured but not like I it's not like I lost an arm you know um, I would actually say my pain and suffering, like the emotional toll that it had on me, it was a hell of a lot more than physical pain because, I mean, I was out of work for months. I didn't have enough money to go and, and buy a new car. So I was waiting for the property damage settlement to happen, which took months, which was ridiculous because the person rear-ended me, um, you know, you sh- it, it should be cut and dry, but it wasn't. I was pushed in to the person in front of me, but I had a dash cam, which recorded that I was um, a fair distance away from the person in front of me. Therefore, I wasn't being, being negligent, and therefore, the person in front of me didn't sue me. It was still on the person behind me. So, keep a fair distance away from the person in front of you, so you're not negligent. You're not the reason why that they were pushed into you because you were falling too closely. Um, the person behind me just hit me with such force that... I, it didn't matter how far away I was, I was pushing. So one of the reasons why it took the property damage check so long was because the person in front of me was trying to repair their car and they took their dear sweet fucking time. So if you're involved in a car accident that involved multiple people, can you just, can you fucking go get it estimated what the damage is going to be and then take it in and like go through insurance and get it the fuck done? Okay, I don't care if it's drivable. I don't care if it's just a scratch and, oh, you'll get around to it when you get around to it. Take fucking care of it. Jesus Christ. Literally, like, I had to wait months because this Subaru in front of me was just not taking their car in to get it fixed. But then when my attorney asked them, so are you planning on getting it fixed? Yeah, just haven't done it yet. And there's no time limit on it. Like, there's not a statute of limitations. There is a statute of limitations that doesn't have to do with property damage, something like that. So... Yeah, get your stuff fixed, okay? When there's a car uh, car accident that involves multiple people, we're all waiting on each other, and it's not just up to you. So do your part and get your car fixed. So I have the property damage settlement. I got a new car and all of that. But I haven't gone through this other guy's insurance for everything else. Because his policy limit had, his policy limit was minimum. So it was 25, or maybe it was 50. 50 for bodily injury. And that includes emotional suffering. That includes therapy, x-rays, everything like that for everybody. So it includes the person I hit who was in front of me. It includes me. And it includes the passenger that I had. That's a lot of medical bills. That'll reach $50,000 real quick. So, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to get what I deserve. But since we're suing Lyft, that's a whole nother bag of, like, what the fuck. So, even though my case wasn't or isn't technically that crazy, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't on the verge of death or anything like that. Since they have a million dollars, that's their policy limit, generally, attorneys ask for the policy limit 
So, of course, if we're going to go through the guide's insurance who hit me, we're going to ask for 50 grand. If we're going to go through Lyft's insurance and they offer a million, we're going to ask for a million, right? I haven't actually talked to my attorney about this, but I want to ask for a million. I deserve a million. (laughs) And I mean, like, it would be split anyway, I'm pretty sure. I don't think it would just go to me, even though I was the one who was driving. Maybe it would go to my passenger, too. But, yeah, so hopefully I get a million dollars soon. That'd be great. Now, the third lawsuit and third and final so far, um, you know, just we'll see where my life goes. (laughs) I'm sure it actually won't be the last one in my life. I'm not even going to lie. Like, it would just be, I mean, knowing me, it's not going to be the last one, unfortunately. So this one's even less interesting than the last one, which is... I was at the airport dropping somebody off. I drive a manual, and so when I let off the clutch, it rolls forward a little bit. I let off the clutch, it rolled forward a little bit, and then this guy from the left of me swooped the fuck in and scraped his passenger side door all along my driver's side, like, headlight. He was also driving for Uber at the time, and so was I. And there were multiple witnesses and I had a dash cam and so we all sent that to my insurance and the attorney who's representing me for the lift rear ending case is also representing me now for this case but we weren't even planning on doing that because we were under the impression this was going to be an easy thing it was a fender bender you know what I mean and then my insurance says we're going to kick it over to Uber's insurance and you owe us $2,500 because that's our deductible. And I was like, well, I pay Liberty Mutual my insurance every month. You need to take care of it. I don't pay Uber's insurance. I'm not paying that deductible. I didn't agree to that deductible. I agreed to my personal insurance deductible because I have a rideshare endorsement, which means since I was driving for rideshare, you should be covering this. And so that's when my attorney sent a letter of representation to all insur- all the insurances that uh, are involved in this case, and now he's taking care of it. But he called me the other day, and he said they finished with the like percentage of whose fault it was, and they're saying 50-50. And I was like, no fucking way. Like, there's no way. And he was like, yep um bad faith insurance we're gonna have to do a lawsuit like we're gonna have to sue them and I was like great awesome cool let's do it (laughs) you know like okay like there's nothing else for me to do and I'm at the point in life where if you think anything is fishy in terms of anything at all especially involving a company especially involving a company who's supposed to be there for you. For fuck's sake, we're suing my own insurance. That's fucked. Usually, when you're in a car accident, you see the other guy's insurance. (laughs) Like, what the actual? So, we're suing my insurance and we're suing Uber's insurance for not doing their job. So, at any rate, anytime you think something is a little bit kind of off talk to an attorney like and it's it's this was something that I was 
struggling with the first time, right? I had no idea what I was doing, no idea what it would entail. And I'm here to tell you that it's super easy. It's super easy. They won't take the case unless they know that they can win because they're in a contingency. So that means if you don't get paid, they don't get paid and you don't owe them any attorney fees. They take care of everything. Once you sign that retainer, like the insurance legally isn't even allowed to talk to you. They have to talk to your attorney. And your attorney has done this so many times. They know what to do. They know what to say. Your insurance is always trying to get you to like slip up and say something wrong and like, I guess like admit fault and shit like that. That's not going to happen with an attorney. Another thing, he told me, we were talking about the insurance adjuster on the property damage and he said, no, let me talk to them. They can lie to you, but they can't lie to me. And I was like, what? (laughs) I'd never heard that before. So apparently if you're just some old Joe Schmo, whatever the fuck, Your insurance adjuster is legally allowed to lie to you. But if they're talking to an attorney, they are not. (laughs) Fucked, right? We live in a place where companies just get all the benefits and the little individual people get fucking nothing. So for fuck's sake, get an attorney. I think that there's a stigma You know, like, once you sue somebody, you're that type of person or whatever. Fuck it. Fuck the whole thing. I will be that person. I've been that person. I am that person. I Here I am. I am the person. And I do have people look at me and kind of be like, you know, you're that that person. And they're judging me. But you know what? Like, you got to do what you got to do. Like I said, that company that I worked for, the first lawsuit, they needed to be held accountable. And the more that people don't sue them for what they should be sued for, the more they're going to get away with it because the more they think that what they're doing is right, what they're doing is fine, they won't have any consequences. And fuck that. Get an attorney. Always get an attorney. That's it. That's all. That's all for today. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'll see you next time.